gather round to hear tell of the east of England, a region that's making waves and changing minds. Welcome to this, the 50th episode of Eastern Promise. I'm Mike Rigby, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the podcast that brings you the best of the East of England. From singers to scientists, seafarers to CEOs, and every manner of enterprise, this is Eastern Promise. Ros Bird is my special guest this week, Chief Executive of Anglia Innovation Partnership, which manages the development of the Norwich Research Park. Along with her dedicated team, Ros has stewardship of one of the most important science and innovation hubs in the region. We'll be discussing the future development of the park, how the NRP fits into the national and regional ecosystem for science and the wider science park sector. And finally, grab your spanner and a can of oil as we gear up for the East of England's mightiest mechanical marvels in this week's Crowd Sorcery. But first, here's the news where the only news is good news. Cambridge Tech Week 2023 is calling for speakers, and I know many listeners across the east of England who should be signing up. Cambridge Tech Week is taking place from the 8th to the 12th of May this year. Speaking slots are quick-fire TED-style talks on a future technologies track, between 10 to 15 minutes long, taking place in person on either Tuesday the 9th or Wednesday the 10th of May at Hinkston Hall, CB10, 1RQ, that's Charlie Bravo 10, 1 Romeo Quebec. Organisers Cambridge Wireless want to hear stories introducing new academic research and very early stage ventures that are going to shape the future of technology from across the region, nay, the planet. The perfect speaker will tick one or more of examples of very early stage ventures working at the bleeding edge, exciting new academic research, new startups or spin-outs at the beginning of their journey, and cutting-edge examples of technology application in academia or industry. Please don't put overt sales pitches into your submission as you will not be considered. However, this is your opportunity to speak to hundreds of major players, from entrepreneurs, founders, corporate leaders, investors, media, government, academia and international peers. To apply, please go to cambridgetechweek.co.uk and scroll down to Call for Speakers and click on Apply Now. Now. Do it now. Cambridge Tech Week is just the start, as the coming year is going to be loaded with amazing festivals and celebrations of our places. Ipswich will be celebrating the 550th birthday of their greatest son, Cardinal Wolsey. Meanwhile, culture and heritage are on the agenda for the Norfolk and Norwich Festival, which has just announced that Leeds-born musician Jasdeep Singh Dagan will perform his debut album Anomaly at St Peter Bancroft on Thursday the 18th of May, 
with a nine-musician ensemble. The 12th-track album features music rooted in the ancient repertoire of rags, and it's wonderful to see him added to what's already promising to be a brilliant and diverse celebration of culture, heritage and art. Tickets are now on sale, so be quick! The festival itself will run for 17 days, from the 12th of May to the 28th of May 2023, with artists from around the world and the region presenting a huge variety of work, and events will be held throughout the city and around the county. Last year, the festival celebrated its 250th anniversary and is considered to be the oldest single-city arts festival in the UK. The full programme for the Norfolk and Norwich Festival will be announced in February. Some late-breaking news now in science. This just in from the John Innes Centre on Norwich Research Park. Sweet salvation is on hand as a sugarcane pathogen with a unique way of killing harmful bacteria has emerged as one of the strongest new antibiotic candidates in decades. The antibiotic, called albicidin, is produced by the bacterial plant pathogen Xanthomonas albilinians, which causes the devastating leaf scald disease in sugarcane. Albicidin is thought to be used by the pathogen to attack the plant, enabling its spread. It has been known for some time that albicidin is highly effective at killing bacteria, including E. coli and S. aureus. These superbugs, notorious for their growing resistance to antibiotics, have prompted a vital need for effective new drugs. So, how does it work? Albicidin targets an enzyme found in both plants and bacteria called DNA gyrase, or simply gyrase. This enzyme binds to DNA and, through a series of elegant movements, twists it up, a process known as supercoiling, a vital process for cells to function properly. However, gyrase has an Achilles heel. To do its job, it must momentarily cut the DNA double helix. This is dangerous, as broken DNA is lethal to the cell. Normally, gyrase quickly joints the two pieces of DNA back together again as it works, but albicidin prevents it from happening, resulting in broken DNA and bacterial death. Despite its antibiotic potential and low toxicity in preclinical experiments, pharmaceutical development of albicidin has been hampered because scientists did not know precisely how it interacted with its target, the bacterial enzyme gyrase. Now, Dr. Dmitry Gilarov's research group at the John Innes Center, alongside the laboratories of Professor Roderick Susmuth at Technische Universität Berlin in Germany and Professor Jonathan Hedl at Jagiellonian University in Poland, have exploited advances in cryo-electron microscopy to obtain a first snapshot of albicidin bound to gyrase. Dr. Gilarov said, We believe this is one of the most exciting new antibiotic candidates in many years. It has extremely high effectiveness in small concentrations and is highly potent against pathogenic bacteria, even those resistant to widely used antibiotics such as oh, blinking heck, fluoroquinolones. Now advances in cryo-electron microscopy have made it possible to determine the structures of even the most elaborate protein DNA complexes. To be the first person to see the molecule bound to its target and how it works is a huge privilege, and the best reward 
one can have as a scientist. But this work is a big team effort, and we would not have done it without our European colleagues. The next step for this research is to engage with academic and industrial collaborators and to seek funding to take the research forward to human clinical trials. This could lead to the development of an urgently needed new class of antibiotics in the face of a global threat to antimicrobial resistance, or AMR. Well, that is fantastic news. Not just that the John Innes Centre on Norwich Research Park is leading the way for the east of England, but that such a prominent group of scientists from across Europe are working together on this vital aim for the betterment of mankind. That is truly something that we all need to be proud of. And congratulations to Dr. Gilarov and the team. Whew, that was a lot of news, wasn't it? Please send more of your news releases to newsdesk at easternpromise.site. Engineered serendipity. That's a phrase you'll hear used by my guest this week, Ros Bird, Chief Executive of Anglia Innovation Partnership, which manages the development of the Norwich Research Park. It refers to bringing together a critical mass of innovative thinkers and creative intellects and letting them engage with each other in the sure and certain hope that great things will happen. If I can be self-aggrandizing for just a moment, it's a belief I not only share, it's at the core of everything I want to achieve with Eastern Promise. To put not just the right people in a room together, but people who believe in making things happen, who refuse to settle for a passive role in events. That passion drives success, that success builds momentum, and momentum creates both critical mass and centripetal force. And so, with the sense that I was very much talking to a kindred spirit. I caught up with Roz just before Christmas. Hello, Roz Bird. Hi. Hi. Well, I think... And I'm not just saying this because we're sat in the Norwich Research Park and you're sat next to me and we're doing this interview, but I think your uh, arrival um, here has been one of the most exciting and energising things that's happened uh, to the... Certainly the, the Norfolk and the Norwich... Uh, research infrastructure for for for, uh, for quite some time it's, it's it's the number of people i've been around who said have you spoke to rosbird isn't she great oh can you give our listener the potted history of rosbird the potted history of rosbird i'm from cambridgeshire uh, where i grew up i was inspired by cambridge science park being built in the 80s and it made me think oh wow there's lots of jobs out there that could be quite cool and not just the science jobs but you know people doing marketing and building buildings and uh and I thought, as a young person, looking back, that made a big impression on me. Um, and then I did a degree in politics, and I went out and I worked for public sector for a while. I was a training and enterprise council education manager responsible for work experience and teacher placements in Cambridgeshire at one point in my 20s. And I worked for people like Education Extra and National Extension College, so that sort of out-of-school hours learning and... Um, uh, NEC was the pilot project for the Open University. Um, and I did all those various roles and thought, I don't know if I've really found my niche, the thing that I really want to um, you know, focus on as a career. And then I was lucky enough to get a job as business development at the UK Science Park Association. 
and I stayed there for five years, and that's all about good practice in science parks uh, in the UK, and bringing them together, sharing uh, stories and helping each other with the whole thing about engineered serendipity. So how do you get people in the room that would otherwise not meet and encourage them to talk and share and see whether some good things come from that, either straight away or later on? And I love doing that. I love the idea of it. And so I thought, oh, one day maybe I could run a science park. And I got a job 15 years ago with MEPC at Granter Park. And, um, and uh, MEPC sort of asset management and development company. They said, oh, if you want to run a park like this, you'll need to go and get your surveyor qualifications. By then, I had my uh, uh, Chartered uh, Institute of Marketing uh, professional diploma. So I did my... Uh, two-year concertina sort of degree at Reading whilst working and then I got chartered so I'm a surveyor and um, worked at Cam- in Cambridge you know uh, yeah. at Cambridge UK that's where I met Harriet and, and Sarai Jones and and people like Tony Jones and um, the people that run you know all the different in yeah. uh, networking uh, organizations and I helped companies to network with each other whether they be on the park at Granter Park or in the wider community I used to get Small companies at Babram talking to Pfizer and AstraZeneca that were based at Granter Park. And then uh, finally, last eight years until I came here, I was at Silverstone Park over in Northamptonshire, where the same company, MEPC, uh, bought the land around the track. So we didn't own the track, weren't, wasn't responsible for running the Grand Prix, luckily, um, <laughs> but, but responsible for the companies that were there already, the millions of square feet of planning consent, and built so, six, about 650,000 square feet in that time and helped to set up Silverstone Technology Cluster. So again, we sort of tried to sort out what we were doing at Silverstone Park, think about the companies that should be there, the ones that were there. So advanced engineering applied into many different sectors, not just motorsport, they're quite proud of that work, but they're also working in you know, oil and gas and medical devices and space and satellite yeah. technology and the like. So doing that on the park and then taking that whole sense of how do we develop a community of mutual regard beyond the four walls of Silverstone Park out into the local business community, helped set up Silverstone Technology Cluster. Um, and we, we had their uh, annual conference uh, two weeks ago. I went over to that because I'm yes. now, I was chair of the board for five years, but obviously had to give that up to come over here. It's the right moment to come and hand, hand on the reins. But I went back to their annual conference. It was a great moment for me, actually, a couple of weeks ago to think, helped set this all up. And um, there's... What it is, it's about creating new business opportunities for the companies there um, and um, helping them to network with each other and collaborate as well. And so it's all of that stuff that I've done that I then hopefully bring in, into Norwich Research Park and to help um, the research community, the university, the hospital and the companies that are here to maximise the potential of everything that's going on at Norwich Research Park. What I thought was really interesting about um, when you went over to uh, back to Silverstone uh, is that you you made a point of engineering conversations. I love the phrase engineered serendipity, and we'll come back to that in a second. Um, that you've engineered those those conversations between Nor- Norwich Research Park and the STC. Yeah. Uh, someone with a passing interest in Northamptonshire, I sort of spent the latter half of, half of my adolescence there, yeah. and my parents are still there. That can only be a good thing. <laughs> um, but is that something you've made a habit of doing in your previous posts, or is that just something that, that again, engineered serendipity, the opportunity presented itself? I think that um, there's a particular kind of, interest in problem solving over in the Silverstone Technology Cluster. And obviously I was there for eight years and and 
you know, hopefully made quite a difference, but, but also got to know people really well. And, and when I left, I thought, I wonder whether there'll be an opportunity to work with them again. And then when you come over here and you meet so many people with a similar mindset, and it's that whole thing about like-mindedness that's mm. the starting point. You know, um, Shenke, uh, Jonathan Jones. Um, so Jonathan Jones is um, a head of a lab at the Sainsbury Laboratory. Um, Shenke um, is uh, in the medical um, department um, and engineering at UEA. And um, there's a number of others that I could mention that they just re almost reminded me immediately of the people that I'd enjoyed working with at Silverstone. Yeah. And I thought, I've got to get these people linked together somehow, even if it's just because then they'd enjoy meeting each other. And I think mm -hmm. you can start any conversation by just saying that no, this, is, this could be something or nothing. You'll enjoy a lunch or a, or a chat over teams to explore what you're both doing. But it became obvious quite quickly, especially with what Sheng is doing um, at the UEA in materials, um, that someone like Kieran Salter at KW Special Projects and the Digital Manufacturing Centre, so it's additive manufacturing and 3D printing. Yes. There's a lot of opportunity for them to work with each other. You know, um, specialisms that they both have when you bring it together will be a powerful combination. And then to be honest with you, with Jonathan Jones, he's just into so many different ideas. He immediately reminded me of Rob Lewis at Total Sim, who's exactly the same. Yeah. But they're successful and they have a core interest but they also have loads of other ideas. And I thought it would be just so fun to get them together. And I, I suppose what I always think is it's really, I enjoy, so perhaps it's a bit gratuitous, but I enjoy getting people together um, and, and encourage them to have a bit of an explorer mindset and just be open to new and challenging ideas and see where that takes them. That's, that, you know, I, I, I could not agree more with that. I could not agree more. And that is, you know, something I, I would love... Eastern Promise to, to be able to add to and, and to do, uh, but we're talking about you, not about Eastern Promise. Mm -hmm. So what's the Rosbird philosophy, the Rosbird effect, uh, when you start those conversations? Yeah. What's, what's, what, what do you hope comes, you've sort of outlined what you hope comes of them, what does yeah. come of them, and, well, and do you think that spins on into other conversations that others start? Ultimately, I don't think we've got long on the planet, any of us, individually, and I think that... Um, with the time that we've got, some of the things that we want to do are going to take a few years to do. And so, uh, and some of the things that we want to do are going to take a while, you know, and they're big, they're big things that you think are, you know, like the skills issue or gender equality in the workplace or whatever, all these big topics. And I, and I really think that, um, for me, you, you need to take action every day on the things that you believe in and don't worry about the size of the problem. Just worry that you're doing small things every day towards solving those problems. Mm -hmm. And um, the bit that the reason that I get people in a room together is because I think they might together be the combination needed to solve some of the world's problems. I suppose it's a bit, it sounds yeah. a bit grandiose, but no, no, it doesn't. Know, I think um, why not? Why not um, try to get people together that otherwise would not meet? Encourage them to be open and just down to earth conversations. You know, that, that there shouldn't be ego in it. It's more about what problems are we trying to solve here and, and would we enjoy this conversation and maybe enjoy working together mm. or could we help each other in some way yeah. to do bigger and better things? Um, and so, yeah, for me, ultimately, I suppose I would love to see transformational uh, change um, in the workplace and in society's attitudes. Um, and I think the more that you bring people together... 
and they can see um, some common purpose, um, the better the world will be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just going to pause while I turn the page. Rustly, rustly, rustle. Um, listeners to the show that's going out um, tonight, tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, will hear the interview I did very recently, actually, a couple of weeks ago, with Tim Robinson, who's chief operating, as many will know, the chief operating officer of Tech East. Yeah. And I asked him if he will name for me what are, the, what are his brightest points of light uh, um, in the east of England, the tech and the research and development ecosystem in the east. And his, his first quick, unequivocal response was Norwich Research Park. Great. The whole region, and he singled you guys out. Mm-hmm. And you won't agree with that, obviously. But what do you think it's, Tim is seeing? And what gives you hope and excitement and optimism for the future of the park? Well, I suppose, like I was saying at the beginning about, you know, being a young person and being inspired by the sort of NAP laboratories being built at Cambridge Science Park, I think that science parks and their stories about what happens inside them and the, the, the view of them from the main road and the, and the sort of information that you get and the, the visitors that you get on, it can, they can be so inspiring Indeed. to young people. And I think one of the things I always like to think about when I'm thinking, what am I doing every day and, and how am I helping... Um, that that you can't just think about the people in the same building as you working today because that's just serving us uh, at our stage in our lives in in our career. We need to think about the future and who's coming after us. So um, I think that um, getting the message of this location at Norwich Research Park being a kind of beacon for social impact from the research that's going on and the commercialisation but also um, economic impact, creating jobs, all kinds of jobs, not just science jobs, but those mm. one, but, but all the other jobs that go around that, and getting that out into schools and getting young people here and excited about that, inspiring them to work hard and do their best at school, think, making them realise that there are loads of good opportunities for them in their county where they're getting their education. And I think a science park can do that, you see. Um, and there's a... A level of awareness that we need to raise about Norwich Research Park the, and the you know, UEA, the, the hospital and the four research institutes all on site here with the 40 companies that are here, with the 1.6 million square feet of planning consent. Yes. It's getting that message out that this place is, has, has, you know, has been here for quite a while, has some major achievements that people should feel proud of. Really great opportunities right now in terms of investment and activity and the companies that are here and all that growth potential of the future. Um, we need to be um, a beacon for uh, a sort of signpost and, and, a, and a great example of economic prosperity for Norfolk and for East Anglia and the UK. Mm. Uh, and, and I must admit that um, until recently, my perspective has very much been on those geographies of thinking about what we do with our local schools, which we must think about and do um, good positive work with then the eastern region and things like the eastern powerhouse and the Oxford of Cambridge Arc and the Cambridge Norwich Corridor and thinking beyond our natural boundaries or county boundaries and the effect we can have and the role that we should play and then nationally you know with national government but um, I was I've met luckily you know uh, recently with people who have got more global perspective on some of the markets that our research is in, like the global food and nutrition market. And when you understand the world from their perspective, they see a global market in in food and nutrition, for example, 
and they're very excited about all the research that's going on here at, at Norwich Research Park. Not just because it can be a world-class science park. I mean, that's kind of a given and that's mm. life's work, you know, getting yeah. all those active, all those things. They're saying, right now, today, the science, the research, the innovation, the technology platforms, the expertise, the skills at this place have a really significant role that they can play globally. And all we need to do is create a bridge, really, a, a level of awareness from here. Yeah out into the into the world, into different countries that are working on, you know, food processing techniques or creation of new foods or fortification of food or agricultural techniques that will um, help plants to be stronger against pathogens or climate change. Yes. Um, and um, so I was really excited by that new perspective and I thought, yeah, you know, um, yes, we need to develop the science part for the region, for the area, for young people, you know, we need to maximise the potential for the local economy, but there are global opportunities because of the significance of the work we do. Yeah. So that, so I do think there's, you know, I think hopefully Tim, um, you know, he's right. Um, there's so much potential here to unlock um, and real global significance today. Absolutely. And if you look at the, the emerging Greater Norwich plan, you can see all those areas that have earmarked Mm-hmm. For the growth of the park, is there? Is, you've done, I know, a lot of recent work on on the future direction of the park, the future expansion of the park. What can you tell us about what that's going to look like in the future? Obviously, you can't tell us everything, but what are you able to, to share? Yeah. So at the moment, we've got forty companies in a hundred thousand square feet, and uh, most of those companies are small growing companies. Some of them have spun out or spun in because they need to be mm. um, near the research, uh, and um, they're growing, they're in small, flexible lab and office space. And we've got quite a lot of that here already, which is great, in the Centrum Building and the Innovation Centre, right? Yeah. So the next stage is when companies grow and they take a few extra, you know, offices and labs down the corridor, mm-hmm. they then need their own space. They need larger footprints and, and maybe more specialist equipment. And they certainly don't need a shared lab space anymore. They want it, you know, inside their own um, front door, yes, so of to course. speak. So the next step for us is to submit a planning application for um, what we're calling at the moment working title Grow On Building, because it sort of does what it is, isn't it, Tim? Yes. And we've got a number of companies here that we're talking to that would like to, you know, talk about moving into that building. They'd move out and free up some of the small spaces that we've got, and then we'd start filling that with, hopefully, lots of new small companies that want to be on site and benefit from everything that's going on here, all the facilities and the community. Um, so we have a design for a building. It's being value engineered and a planning application will be submitted uh, at the beginning of next year for definite. Right. Um, and then we're also looking at whether we need some other types. So that's a sort of lab and office, 55,000 square foot grown building. We're also looking at whether we should design up something a bit different as well for a different market, which is called like a mid-tech unit. Yeah. And these are portal frame buildings um, with a yard and a roller shutter door and double height space. But it also has like a nice front door, reception area, boardroom, offices. Um, and it's a sort of very versatile uh, building that someone might use if they're doing some new processes. Um, if they yeah. want some controlled yeah. environment rooms, clean rooms, 
Um, you know, you could imagine somebody, one, one room, one uh, unit, they've got a, a forklift, another one a tractor, and, and the other one clean, clean rooms, you know, controlled environments. But it's a sort of versatile space plus the, the usual sort of design and office and, and lab type space. And we're looking at the moment at whether we should uh, design and get planning consent for that sort of style of building here as well. That is hugely exciting. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that, that those developments come out of the ground. Um, according to the Institute for Public Policy Research, the IPPR, uh, the UK is spending on R&D, and we won't go into the hows and the whys and the wherefores, but it's currently um, lagging behind other members, other nations in the OECD, about 1.7% of GDP mm-hmm. um, on research and development, where the average in the OECD is 2.4% of GDP. Uh, Plenty of big players are spending over 3%. That includes Sweden, Belgium, the USA, Germany. Israel currently at 5.4%. Now, we are where we are. Yeah. And both main parties have committed to getting that spending to 3% by 2030. So my question is, what do you, we, I, the region, need to do as a whole to capture as much of that uplifting spending as we can and bring it to the east of England to ensure... Uh, that growth continues because what I think we don't want, none of us want, is to be lumped in into sort of, some sort of greater southeast. Mm-hmm. Where I mean, I'll be the first to say that spending anywhere will, if you look hard enough, represent an opportunity for the for the region, even if it's in Manchester or Scotland. Yeah. Um, but what what's what's our route forward to making sure we get we get a slug of that? Yeah, well, I mean, honestly. Um to an extent, and this might be a surprise, but I, I'll explain, is we continue to do what we're doing on that front. Mm-hmm. Because actually, um, there's about 100 science parks in the country. Only five of them are BBSRC, so that's the Biotechnology and Biological Research Council. Mm-hmm. Um, so five of them are BBSRC campuses, so that's government money into R&D. Okay? And... Of those five campuses in the country, so Babraham is one, yes. one and there's uh, Rothhampstead is another one, um, we're the only one that actually has three separate research institutes that are funded by BBSRC. Now, yeah. BBSRC actually only has eight in the country. Three of them are here at Norwich Research wow. Park. Okay? Yeah. So we've got nearly half of all of their research capability on a campus. No one else has more than one research institute in one location. So you say, well, so what? And, no, and no, so, that's, but, that's, but a, that's a very pretty good hand to start with. It's exciting in itself, isn't it, yeah. to have all that research going on um, and, and have investment in research. That's the Earlham Institute, the Quadrum Institute and the John Innes Centre, OK, all doing slightly different things. So Earlham is genomics and then uh, Quadrum is uh, sort of food and health related and gut health and human biome. And then John Innes Centre is the plants and, and looking down at the genome at plants. So those three research institutes are all here at Norwich Research Park. Uh, Alongside that, you've got the Sainsbury's Laboratory, which is the other research institute that's here that's Gatsby funded, so that's Mm -hmm. a charity. And then you've got the UEA, public funding for research, and you've got the Norfolk and Norwich University Hospital that has Mm -hmm. clinicians and now announced new uh, research posts. Yeah. So if you think about that, four research institutes the university and the hospital all on one campus, co-located, and not just happen to be on one site together. The so what is that they collaborate. They are eager, if not slightly frustrated, to do more <laughs> collaboration, which is great for me, because that's what it's all about, the campus-wide Absolutely. perspective. Yeah. 
Um, and they all do share the vision for Norwich Research Park. They're all on my board. They're all on the Anglo Innovation Partnership yes, board. Yes, right? I've seen, yeah. So they share the vision of let's get this ecosystem going. Let's maximise all the research that's going on. Let's collaborate on projects. Let's attract more talent and funding. Let's look at how we can uh, make a greater impact on society. How can you help? Uh, Ros and your team with uh, a campus-wide enterprise strategy, more marketing, support with industry links. When we have industry come, will you come and give a presentation to them and make sense of what the availability is here? Will you help us to spin out companies? Will you attract local companies or national companies? Will you help to build the bridge to these global uh, markets? Um, so that's that's the exciting piece, really. Now, when the only person that's ever sort of challenged me about, am I right, that this is the only place like this in the UK, it's a person who worked at UCL. And they said, yeah, UCL's got a hospital, a university, and a research institute all on the same site as well. And I said, yeah, but they're not attracting or need, or need to or want to attract third-party companies, you know, businesses like we do. And actually, we've got four research institutes, not just one. Yeah. So um, they have the advantage of being in London, but that can be a disadvantage too because it's it expensive indeed. to build buildings and yes. expensive to live there. So I really think that Norwich has uh, an amazing opportunity, has had for a long time, but it's, mm -hmm. it's how you unlock that. And I think what the difference is between what it was like before and now is that there's a massive willingness amongst all of those key directors of those institutes, uh, the vice-chancellor and, the, and the, the guys at the hospital, Sam Higginson and, and Erica Denton and, and Chris Bowles and Jenny Longmore. There's, there's, there's teams of people within each of those organisations that want and need to work together. And guess what? The thing that government wants, the thing that BBSRC wants too, is everyone working together. Mm. And it's much harder to do that if you're in different locations. When you're all on a campus together... There's no excuse, but also it is a much easier to get people around the dinner table, to get people to, 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 to bump into each other as well. Um, and uh, so I guess in terms of how do we harness this location to attract public investment, it's all about making sure that those people that are already investing here, the, you know, the research institute money that's coming in, the money into the hospital and to the university, that they realise just how much work we're doing and can do to really maximise that investment and make, make be game-changing in the work that we do. Mm. Do you know what? There's, there, isn't, there hasn't been a conversation I've had with you that hasn't been tremendously energising and tremendously optimistic, and that I think that really chimes with the values um, of Eastern Promise. Which uh, you know, if I could, if I could get T-shirts made, and I probably will, saying I've got Eastern Promise, yeah. then I think one of the first ones I'd hand to you, definitely. <laughs> um, you were a vital part, an absolutely key part of what I've called the Eastern Promise Great Train Adventure. Oh yeah, that was great. Um, which we did uh, in October, and um, exciting conversations around that have started already in terms of doing it again once all the industrial action I hope is settled equitably yeah uh, he said very carefully now um, my observations because you've obviously worked you're from Cambridge you've worked very closely in Cambridgeshire mm -hmm. and observations from talking to people like Carter Jonas and Ridge part and partners uh, LLP who sponsored um, the train event who I have also already committed to doing so again right Cambridge Ahead, Harriet Fear, who you, of Cambridge and, yep. uh, who you mentioned earlier, Daniel Zeitner, the MP for Cambridge, the city of Cambridge, is that my observations are that Cambridge needs and wants the support of partners to continue its trajectory 
because of its historic restraint, uh, restraining uh, of its of influence of its green belt. Yeah. Norwich is not, not absolutely not the poor cousin. Nor it's important to say, is it regarded as such? Because all the conversation I've had has been with the kind of respect bordering on envy, and I've said that several times in there. And, and, and again, people in Cambridge, if you want to argue, yeah, you can get my email. You can come at me on LinkedIn, but. Support and envy of Norwich and the science that's done here. Mm -hmm. The interest of the whole region's community is that Cambridge continues to grow and grow sustainably. Um, it's not a closed shop. And if we are positive, open, not just willing to engage, but willing to start that engagement, as you've indicated, then we can really write a different story. Because everyone talks about the Golden Triangle. Mm. Whereas if you t the, the, the conversations I had in Cambridge, like, well, we're not sure how interested Oxford really are in talking to us. They're talking to, they want to talk to London. Yeah. So I think there's, there's, I wouldn't say it's entirely an open door, but it's certainly very, more than a little ajar. So what's your reflection on that? Reflection mm -hmm. on that, and is that to miss actually a bigger picture? I'm not saying there is one, but I'm really interested in your take. Well, I suppose what I think is that the science and the expertise and technology platforms that are here at Norwich are different to to that that is going on in Cambridge, Oxford, London, other parts of the country. And so all I can do is make everyone who ought to know aware about, uh, of what we're doing and what we think the opportunities are and have those conversations with people. Um, and I suppose what I mean is that people should come to Norwich Research Park for the, for the right reasons, for the access to the talent pool and, and, and the technology platforms, and maybe because they didn't realise what was going on here and now they do and they know the plans it's where they want like aspire to be so i do think that at the level of sim simple level of does everyone know why you'd want to be in cambridge versus oxford versus london versus norwich they have key attributes that um a business may well be interested in and then beyond that um i think the golden triangle phrase is helpful for investors mm. um because I think if you think about it from the point of view of investing in company startups, or if you think about it from the point of view of investing in real estate, you know, in um, building buildings and things, that um, there's a certain risk profile to uh, London, Oxford and Cambridge that's quite well understood. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, the, the price of land and the opportunity to get into the market and the level of information that you might get and the support, for example, that a company might get in a, in a place like Cambridge means that there's a lower risk, you know, there's more information, and so a lower return, and it might be harder to get into that market. Whereas if you think about Norwich, where people aren't particularly aware necessarily of all the things that have gone before, what's going on now, what the future potential is, there's more of a, a, a different risk profile, a, a high risk, high reward. So... Um, the Golden Triangle um, is a useful term to differentiate us at Norwich Research Park from Cambridge, Oxford and London f when you're talking to investors in companies and investors in real estate. And in both cases, what those investors that we're talking to about Norwich are interested in is the, um, the, 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 the untapped potential, as they see it, yeah. the sort of... The fact that it's a, a, a pool that hasn't been fished in yet from those ah, particular I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they understand Cambridge, Oxford, and London. They're already in there, or it's too hard for them to get in. They're looking for what's the next place that I would invest that's a pocket of brilliance. 
where's the place that could be as successful in terms of people's desire to be located there? And, and I use the word desire carefully because I think it's a perception thing. I think there's a lot of good marketing that's gone into these successful places. And I say that as a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Marketing. <laughs> so, so watch this space. But the, to back up my theory there, um, the uh, investment process that we're going through for Norwich Research Park to look at um, the best way to raise significant capital to build out the 1.6 million square, square feet um, the feedback we've had from a few sort of, you know, informal conversations with, with people to say, oh, you know, what do you think and uh, are we barking up the wrong tree or would people be interested? The feedback's been really amazing. People have loved the idea of this place at Norwich Research Park being sort of, uh, you know, uh, great, the great potential here and the story about all the science that's gone the fact that it's been a hidden gem in some ways and, and, and you know, the fact that it's got this great um, potential to fly. And, and it's been the same with Sapphire Capital that we've worked with to raise the seed fund for our enterprise uh, strategy that we launched in May. Uh, they raised a million pounds to invest as an initial seed fund with two or three companies, and that's specifically for Norwich, Manchester and Northern Ireland. Wow. Fast. So it was a specifically seed fund raised for investment outside the Golden Triangle. So I think being outside of the Golden Triangle is actually a key attribute of Norwich Research Park at this stage. Just, sorry, I'm turning the wrong way. Oh, that was it, really. The only other thing I would add, though, which I think is important to say, and I, did, I, made, the, I made this point recently because I think, it, I think it's really important for people from Cambridge listening to this, is to say that the success of Norwich is not a zero-sum game. Absolutely. So it, it will not words, be yeah. to the detriment of any other place. Um, it, it is really purely about all the potential here being maximised and new growth being seen here. Um, and, you know, I think that talking about UK and the science community um, without restrictions of boundaries in your mind is actually where mm. we want to be. And when we're talking about global markets, you know, we, we can't get all parochial. It doesn't work. No, no, it, it's interesting the number of people so you talk to. It doesn't help anyone. It doesn't. Yeah, quite right. Um, I'd, I'd love to be able to cover the global market. But yeah. um, it's interesting that the interviews I've done here in Cambridge, there is an, a, a keen awareness of what's going on outside the region. And I think it's inside the region that it gets a bit fuzzy. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I have no, no, no formed idea about why that is. Uh, I think it's just overall that we are bad at telling those stories internally. Uh, we're good at telling them to ourselves. We're good at telling them within the various sectors we work. Yeah. But those, as you say, those sectors are, are not just east of England. They are global. Um, and, you know, the technologies are now at the point where, where they can be. And that, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, I mean, my slightly naive, possibly slightly naive belief is that, like you, you bring people together, and if, if nothing comes of it, then at least they've just had a good time. Oh, and had this had fun. Nice, but, a, a nice conversation, yeah, exactly. something to eat, comfortable place to sit. Find yeah. out about each other, and and you never know. As my daughter's so fond of saying, you never know. You <laughs> never know uh, what can what can spark from that, and uh, it's it's just really interesting the extent to which. In Cambridge, they are aware of what's going on here and the excellence that's being 
that is that 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 is represented by this park, yeah. um, and that is a hugely and like you say a zero sum. It's not a zero sum no, game, and any growth anywhere in the region presents an opportunity if you're willing to get in there, roll your sleeves up and look for it, and and be positive and say what can we do? Well, and I'm engaging with everybody that I know in Cambridge because mm. it was fun working with them the first time round. Yeah. So you know, and and that's I like to you know I I enjoy. Um, meeting with these people, finding out what they're doing, seeing what the links could be, the same as I do, you know, make other people do that. So, you know, that's why I really enjoyed doing the train ride, because mm. I was able to invite people from Cambridge I hadn't seen for a while and get them together. And, and you know, I think um, there's a really good spirit in that. Um, there really was. I really, that was a really, really, what I took away most from it was the spirit mm. and the will um, to, for, for good things to happen. And... Um, just look at t- oh, 34 minutes. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh, I can't remember. About the now. good spirit in the room. It was the good, there was a great spirit in the room. I'm going to have to cut this bit out of me. me. Oh, God, I can't remember. I'll tell you what I would, I, I, one of the things I would say, um, and, and this is, uh, you know, interesting in itself, and that is apparently that if you are a plant, a plant scientist anywhere in the world, you would have the John Innes Centre at Norwich on your bucket list of places to work. Really? Yeah. So although we're sitting here talking about, oh, you know, there's global markets that are, are yet, you know, untapped and whatever, and I'm sure there are, and I'll go away and, you know, explore them and, and do some good work, you know, that's just my perspective. Um, um, but there are people that are working, you know, the, the science that goes on here, because it is it has a global relevance, mm. people around the world know about the work that goes on here, and there's quite a few people that would say, you know, I'm working on a leaf blight and a plant in Argentina with a group of scientists that come from all over Europe. Yeah, and we ba- we're based at, at Norwich Research Park because that's the place to be for the expertise and the equipment and bringing everyone together is the right place in the world to be mm. for the things we're doing. So, yeah, I, it, it's, it's really exciting. The future is bright, um, but it's not to anyone else's detriment. It's, it's about no, it's not it's a zero sum bringing game. everything up. Always an opportunity. Yeah. And that's, that seems like a great place. Uh, what what when we do the the, the train event uh, again? Mm. What would you like to see that achieve as as, an, as a growth from next from from our previous uh, adventures, which are, which are still being downloaded quite heavily? I'm I'm pleased to say. Great. Well, I think that um, we need to get um, some new characters in the in the in the room. I was going to say yeah. on the carriage. Um, I would quite like to get people mixed up on the on the train so that they and give them some things to talk about so that we. That, so we get, we sort of prompt them to think about some gnarly issues, mm-hmm. um, and I guess what we could do is some sort of um, piece of work that comes out of that, like a, a short report or something. That'd be good. Yeah. That, that talks about how we will work together in the future. So make some commitments, maybe, out of that discussion to how we're going to work together and why. I mean, that was the important bit for me is to say we all like each other and we're having a nice time on the train. But what, what what do we need each other for? How could we help each other? And to be honest with you, you know, as a you'd expect me to say this as a sort of science park practitioner, my main thing is getting companies that I represent in front of other companies that they represent and helping them to to network and look for new mm. opportunities to to work together. No, I, I love that. I love to be able to say to someone, "Oh, do you know such a person? Yeah. I'll put you in touch." Yeah. And and you know that's great when that that, that sort of and spans. Could I the just sector. say then, actually, on one thing that I mentioned. Go for it. Well, you know, we had our um, 
our Christmas gathering here. We did. And you talked to some of our um, some of the companies and got them out talking to each other. One of the things I mentioned is that we've got a thing that we're calling Enterprise Wednesday, which is a sort of homage to um, Walter Herriot and Herman Hauser, who used to run Enterprise Tuesdays mm-hmm. uh, at the engineering department in Cambridge back in the day, back right. in the early 2000s. So we're having our own Enterprise Wednesday, and it's going to be on Wednesday the 22nd of February, 2 till 5. So it's in the working day because it should be a, a business space, uh, you know, valuable to, to, to business. Um, and the idea will be that we'll get um, a good few presentations in the John Innes Conference Centre uh, to demonstrate the variety of activity that's going on, research and commercialisation, wide range, presentations, bit of networking at the beginning and the end. And we want to get people on the park here, but also lots of people from outside that are interested in knowing more. So I think, I suppose the message is, if there are people out there that are thinking, well, I don't know, what is it that Norwich Research Park's doing then? What, what, what are all these technology platforms? How does it work? If they come on that day from 2 till 5 on Wednesday, 22nd of February will showcase a load of that activity just a quick way of finding out more. Well, you've cleverly made sure that I get the uh, get this episode of uh, this interview out before that takes That's place. That's true. You so, have to do that. So you've, 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 <laughs> you've booked yourself in now. So there's, there's, there's a tip for Sorry everyone. About that. Not at all. Not at all. It's really helpful. Rosbird, pleasure as always. I'm sure there's like a gajillion more questions that are fri- trying to good. fight their way to the front of my head. But for now, what a pleasure. And Thank we you. look forward to getting you back on Eastern Promise again soon. Thanks, Mike. Okay, I confess, I'm a huge fan of Roz Bird. I'm incredibly grateful to Roz, not just for the interview, but the support she and the AIP have given to Eastern Promise. I'm truly excited to see the direction that the Norwich Research Park takes on her watch. And now... In days of old... We judged machines by their size. Mill wheels, pit heads, steam engines and dreadnoughts. Then, come the microchip revolution, technology got steadily smaller until we're talking about nanotech, which can't be seen by the naked eye. Whatever the size, the east of England has been home to some mighty mechanical marvels. In this week's... Crowd Sorcery. Yes, Crowd Sorcery. And where better to bring you for this week's slice of the East of England's finest than from the footplate of Eastern Promise's very own steam locomotive, the Excelsior. As you would expect, Engineer 49 has the controls and they're flying along the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor. Now, it's, it's my job to keep the furnace topped up with coal, so let me shovel on a bit more. So, <clears throat> which mechanised miracles make your day? Let's start with James Williamson, Project Manager for Engineering Success, on behalf of the New Anglia Advanced Manufacturing and Engineering Group, or NAME. James says... I'm trying to cast my memory back through the past three years. Seems to be more challenging than I can remember. I hear you, James. I hear you. Fern Middleby Limited. High-speed slicing machines that are always mesmerising to watch. Mind your fingers, James. 
Prior Power Solutions Limited, power generators and air compressors are designed and manufactured excellence. Delta Fire Limited, high pressure water nozzles. James thinks it's even better that he got to have a play on the test rig. And PCE Automation, complete industrial automation systems that are always impressive. Some fantastic names there at the cutting edge, especially Thurn Middleby. But saying a word for the machines of yesteryear is Dr. Garrick Fincham, Associate Director of Planning at the University of East Anglia, indie author and soon-to-be guest on this here podcast, who says, Can I give a shout-out for the last surviving steam pump engine from the Fens? Perhaps with a diversion to see Denver Sluice on the way? Of course, the whole landscape, says Garrick. From Peterborough to Kings Lynn, Cambridge and Ely is artificial. That's my mechanical marvel, the whole of the Fens. But I think pump and sluice stand for every bit of infrastructure and everyone who ever bailed, dug, sloshed, cut, built, assembled or maintained any and all of it. To find out more, go to www.visiteastofengland.com forward slash attraction underscore activity forward slash streatham dash steam dash engine. Whew. What, more coal already? Oh, well, there we go, here we go. Oh. Oh. Ah. Right. <clears throat> Phew. Back to the future with our very own Marty McFly, Andrew Brammer, commercial director and storyteller who has a surprising East of England connection to a quintessentially American vehicle. Hell yeah! The Humvee power steering pump for the US military is designed and manufactured here in the industrial heartlands of North Walsham in Norfolk by PSS Steering and Hydraulics Division, a highly successful SME, says Andrew. Over 275,000 manufactured to date since 2004. And from the military muscle of our cousins across the pond, and I should at this point say hello to all my lovely listeners in the United States, especially the great states of California and Idaho, where, for some inexplicable reason, this podcast is proving to be of mild yet persistent interest. I say to you, welcome! And appropriately, we now turn to a former resident of the land of the free, Penny Bartram, Associate Strategy Director at Vice World News and trustee of Norwich Film Festival. The Under the Pier show in Southwold is a mechanical gem. Penny, I can confirm that this is so, and if you go to underthepier.com, you can find out much, much more about the crazy world of industrial lunacy on Suffolk Silver Shores. More coal already! Oh, shoveling, I'm shoveling! I'm supposed to be the presenter, you know. I shouldn't be shoveling coal on this engine. I haven't had the training. All right, all right, let off some steam. Perhaps you think I need a coach? Actually, you're right, you're right, sorry, you're right. A moving train is no place for this sort of material now. I should save it for when we arrive at the station. That's a much better platform. <laughs> but the final word goes to Chris Sargison, Chief Executive of Dis and Thetford Citizens Advice and consultant at Sargison Associates. Listeners with long memories will recall I interviewed Chris about his five-year stint leading the Norfolk Chambers of Commerce and during that tenure, says Chris, he was very fortunate and extremely privileged to see some of the great Eastern-based technical marvels. 
Ooh, says Chris, where to begin? The huge cookers at Kettle Chips and the pasta makers at Pasta Foods. The boilers at Cantley Sugar Beet. The technology in the labs at Centrum and the NRP. The miles of cables and servers at the Bothorpe Data Centre. And the huge water purifiers at Lintock Control Systems, also of Bothorpe. The foundations and footings for the Great Yarmouth's Third River Crossing. The live Boeing 737 at the Norwich Aviation Academy. Chris sat in the pilot's seat there. And perhaps Chris's personal favourite, the end-to-end production line, building the new Lotus Amira. Mmm, Amira. <clears throat> Thank you, Chris. You promised me a contribution and, by gad, you delivered. Thank you to all my crowd sorcerers for their contributions. Next week, we'll be looking at where in the region you walk the dog, promenade the pooch, meander with your mongrel. In the meantime, it only remains for me to thank Ros Bird for being such an inspiring guest. And thank you too. Wherever you are, however you're listening, I am truly grateful for your company. And now, I can finally down my shovel as we come to the metaphorical end of the line. Let me just see how Engineer 49 thinks I did with the shoveling. Well, really. And fear not, we shall be back next week. And we have a treat in store, because you'll be joining me at a top-secret location, deep within the Waveney Valley, for my audio tour of the History of Advertising Trust's frankly amazing collection, starting with the Smash Aliens and stretching back to the 17th century adverts, notifying coffeehouse patrons of the theft of a horse in Putney. Until then, bye for now. Hell yeah!